Hello, and welcome to the OnTech Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Fred Burton, the Executive Director of the OnTech Center for Protective Intelligence. During my years as a counterterrorism agent with the U.S. State Department and time spent as a physical security expert in the private sector, I've seen it all and met many fascinating people along the way. This podcast series explores the riveting world of protective intelligence through conversations with leaders in the security field. I'm Fred Bergen, and now on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Fred Burden, here today with Frederick M. Pyrie, also known by his call sign, Razor. Fred has over four decades of wide-ranging experience from the foxhole to the boardroom in the fields of law enforcement, security, and training. He is a known expert providing testimony to the Congressional Oversight Committee on Counterterrorism and Security Issues. After tours at the White House and the United Nations, he began a career in foreign service where he served over 20 years with the Department of State's Diplomatic Security Service as a counterterrorism special agent. Razor is the managing director and co-owner of Active Crisis Consulting. Fred, uh, welcome to the OnTick Protective Intelligence Podcast. Fred, good to be back. I'm glad that uh, you gave me a call and uh, pleased to be able to come on the air with you guys again. Well, let's cut right to the chase, Razor. Um, your company deals with crisis response. And how do you think corporate security is handling the chaos in? Ukraine today with uh, trying to evacuate people? Well, Fred, that's a good question. Um, I think a lot of people are struggling at this point, and I'll tell you why. We have a really good networking of individuals, and uh, I have three other partners I'll get into in a minute here, but uh, we have a lot of experience from networking in Afghanistan and uh, really uh, extended our networking through the intelligence uh, community and uh, former special operations personnel working. And uh, we had gotten close to probably 200 personnel out of Afghanistan uh, during those uh, turbulent times when uh, we withdrew out of there so suddenly. This is a little different situation, but again, we, we learn from uh, you know having support elements and uh, other networking availability for us. We haven't seen anything like this since World War II, really, Fred. First off, you, you know, the Ukraine is twice the size of California, uh, about 88% uh, the size of the great state of Texas, where you're from. And uh, we're in the winter months there. And uh, the challenges are probably the will and the way are there from a lot of the security and the personnel on the ground. But it's the networking once you're there and the support elements that are very, very thin right now. And those are some of the challenges. I mean, if you look, a lot of people probably never even knew where Ukraine was. But, you know, if you look at it, you know, you, you're bordered there with Belarus to the north, Moldova, uh, Crimea, which was annexed uh, years ago, uh, several years ago from from the area there. You got Romania to the west there, a little bit of Hungary, a little bit of Slovakia, but a good, good, nice border of Poland right now. And uh, kind of interesting 
I just flew back uh, Wednesday night from uh, the West Coast over to the East Coast, and I was wearing my flight jacket, and you know, I had American flag, and one of my patches was the diplomatic security patch that says mobile security deployments. As you know, I was in uh, as a team leader there for four years back in the late 80s and 90s, and a woman came up to me and goes, are you with DS? And I go, yeah, well, I'm retired. She goes, uh, yeah, my husband's with DS. I said, well, where is he? He says, he just, we just left Ukraine and, and I'm in Poland. She, he's in Poland and I just uh, got evac back to the States. So diplomatic security, our comrades are working out of a base in Poland to uh, work the uh, humanitarian uh, refugee problem there. So uh, I think it hits a lot of people. Uh, more so than you know, some of the other countries there, but uh, this is a real challenging uh, for security, and and quite frankly, we're already working some efforts there. Um, our website is www.activecrisis.com, and on there you can see I've got uh, three other partners. Uh, Jared's a real whiz, attorney, excellent networking within the intelligence community, good business background. Uh, Neil is a, uh, a young uh, SEAL, uh, still doing the reserves, and, and Jim's retired out of Dev Group, uh, and uh, we're working a lot of training with uh, police departments and things like that. But uh, we have a lot of experience. We have a lot of networking uh, that if people have a need to reach out to us for a loved one or business personnel, uh, we could probably assist in, in helping get them out before things get a lot worse with the Russians invading. Razor, uh, certainly we have not seen anything like this um, in, a, in a number of years, which you've alluded to. And, you know, I hearken back to our days of flying around the world to disaster to disaster. And on a practical level, as you and I were chatting over the past couple of days, what recommendations would you give to that person that's in many ways trapped behind enemy lines now? What would you do? What would Razor do? You know, every time I go into these places, having served in Beirut, spent almost 10 years in and out of Iraq and Afghanistan and stuff, you always look at your plan Bs. Um, you know, I was in northern Iraq while the war was still going on. Uh, in 2002, we were trying to come do something with the Kurds up there. And, you know, I thought about it one time and I went, it's just like 10 of us. I said, you know, we flew in under, uh, you know, the, the darkness. And I said, what would we do? I'm looking at the mountain range there. I go, well, we're not going that way. Iran's right on the other end of that mountain range. We've got to, you know, move up and, uh, you know, try to get out of this place and probably head up towards, uh, you know, Turkey if we can get out of this area. Same thing in Ukraine. If if you look at the map there and CNN, Fox News, Newsmax, BBC, Al Jazeera, all I-24, you know, even the French 24, I, I check out all the stations just to get a flavor so you're not just getting pigeonholed by hearing what's going on and, and troop movements there. But um, the movement right now is to move that area almost over to Moldova to, you know, cut off the south area there. And, and they have a stronghold with the Crimea area, and that's the Black Sea. So if you look at what used to be Kiev, now is Ky Kiev with a Y, um, you know, they want to take over the capital there. So they're moving in and, you know, again, you know, they can come in uh, and use resources from Belarus and stuff. So, 
you've got a lot of mileage there. And, you know, what would I do? Well, I wouldn't be going north and I sure as heck wouldn't be going east into Russia and south is out of there. So your best bet is try to go west. As I mentioned earlier, your west is your best bet is probably the Poland border there. You got a little bit of Slovakia underneath there. And then uh, again, Slovakia touching Hungary. And then you got Romania there. I would not in Moldova forget that, you know, they're a small country you know, that area is going to be taken over probably by the Russian troops and stuff. So this reminds me of a time when I was with MSD. I hate telling stories like this, but it is relevant. We had done our green teams and that's, you know, your, when you come in your first six, seven months with uh, MSD and, you know, getting trained up on different weapons, techniques, counter surveillance, uh, you know, cat team, counter assault teams and things. We, we did a lot with the special operations community and, uh, we used to use the acronym SWIC, uh, the green beanies, green berets. They used to travel with us and we used to do training missions and things like that. So we had a very good relationship with them. What was that acronym stand for? Uh, SWIC is the special warfare center at the JFK, John F. Kennedy, uh, down there at Fort Bragg. Uh, at JSOC, Joint Special Operations Command. And um, down there, we did multiple training. We learned to be uh, instructors in the counter and anti-terrorism assistance. So we go out and teach. And then we went through a SEER school, uh, survive, uh, evade, resist, and escape. But ours was more of a design for us, a flavor of urban survival. And automatically, when you and I were talking the other night, I reflected back to those days, even though it's 30 some years ago, but we, we were running around in concrete that was broken up, rebar, urban settings with high rises that were blown up and areas that we could hide and things like that. We were moving around at night. We had to go through tunnel systems with no lights and all that. And it it brought back exactly what these people are probably going to have to do. Um, you know, the military uses a lot of terms like MSR, main supply route. We know that there's a convoy of Russian troops and armaments with tanks in our personnel carrier that's been stopped for the last five days. So they're on an MSR uh, main supply route. I would stay away from the main supply routes because, again, you, you got a lot of troops there. Would I go by myself? Probably not. I wouldn't go with a large group. Uh, you and I talked before, you know, the Marines use that term fire team, three to four members. You know, I would say maybe a little bit bigger, maybe four to five uh, people travel uh, that you bring a different skill set to. Uh, the reason you have strengths in numbers easier than just running a lone wolf here. And again, uh, you know, it, this goes back to almost being in the Boy Scout days. You know, you've got to survive food, shelter, and bullets, you know, and, and the supply, I, 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 my hat's off to the Ukrainians. Uh, I don't know how long they can last without, you know, resupply of this. The will seems to be there, but you need to have food and, and supplies, you know, when that goes, then you're in the survival mode and you're doing everything you can. So I would stay out of the cities. As you've seen, they've used cluster bombs. They use these thermal bombs. They've used a variety of things that you know, we can get into the rhetoric, whether it's a war crime and all that. The bottom line is they're destroying these cities. 
And, uh, you know, I, so I wouldn't stay in the city because they're collapsing and they don't afford any protection. So you've got to work your way out. Um, you know, some of the smaller towns probably haven't been hit yet. And you probably could pick up some supplies there. I look at trying to travel at night to limit my contact with any of the troops that may be out there. You know, we had heard, and I, I can't put any um, qualifications on this, but the, a mercenary group was coming in to kill the president and uh, they were wiped out. So you don't know if the Spetsnaz in there, which is a special operations, if they're running operations compared to the regular infantry of the Russians, or if they're using contractors and in, in, in other areas there. So you've got to really keep your eyes open for everything. But again, I would travel in small groups. I'd stay off the main supply areas there, stay out of the, the main towns, kind of come in. You know, as I say, the will's there, but how long can they last without uh, the structure and the support element there? So they've got to work their way west. And again, you know, I mentioned those other countries. I would look going towards the Polish border there myself. Uh, I think right outside there, there's probably more support uh, with the routes. It's one of the furthest places that is west of the Ukraine on the Ukraine. So the Soviets haven't gotten all the way over to there yet. But again, every day there's more movement. So in in a nutshell, small groups, travel light. Uh, again, it's winter, so you need to have you know warmth. Uh, you're going to need you know, food. You're going to have to find some temporary shelter from time to time. And then, you know, your ammo for your weapons and things like that. Maybe there are some supply areas that are uh, along the way, you know, moving out. But definitely, I would look at getting out of those major cities because uh, they're just trashing uh, those places with, with these bombs. Fred, let's say uh, you have to hunker down. And uh, you're moving west, which was very prudent advice towards help, obviously, trying to get to your supply lines. Um, what I've seen, there's been some significant supply chain disruption taking place there, obviously, but they're discussing humanitarian corridors and this and that. But as you look at this, and let's say you're traveling with a family or children, and you have to hunker down. What would be your advice along those lines? Yeah, a good point, um, because uh, it does restrict you. You know, traveling with children's, you know, you can't be, you know, hiking with them. So you're probably relying more on, um, you know, a vehicle to get you out of the city and there. Now, the problem is going to be, as we know, uh, fuel. Uh, there's going to be a big fuel shortage soon. So, you could be in a vehicle and in the middle of nowhere with no gas. Then what do you do? You're probably going to have to go to foot, you know, look for a horse, look for some alternative means there. But with the family, you know, try to stock up on what you can grab, however you can grab it uh, from the city, right outside the city, uh, extra fuel and food and and water and, and get on these routes. Now... I, I saw the bus lines. I saw trains. I don't know how far these trains are going. It may just take you out of the city, dump you like kind of like a metro area here, and you're 30 miles outside. Then what? So, you know, with a family there, you know, you're kind of in that survival mode and uh, traveling in a vehicle and going as far as you can. Uh, you know, vehicles have different ranges from 250, maybe up to 350, 400 uh, miles. 
um, that may get you further out of Kiev, but, um, it's still going to put you short of getting into, you know, Poland or Slovakia or Hungary. So, you know, somehow you're going to have to look at a resupply or find fuel. And, and I think every day that's going to become more scarce, but you know, you're in that survival mode. You're going to do whatever you can for your family. I would stay again, try to look at secondary routes because you get into a traffic jam on and and say the Russians aren't that far forward, but you're in a traffic jam with everyone else and it's a hundred miles long and you can't move. Then what do you do? You're going to burn fuel and you're not going to go anywhere. So, you know, look for other alternatives with maps. Um, you know, I wouldn't rely as much on GPS because of the satellites. Who knows what they're jamming and cell phone. I see a lot of, uh, people posting uh, on Facebook and Instagram and the internet, I just don't know how long that's going to last till uh, Putin, you know, literally blankets out that and, and you're going to have radio silence and internet silence everywhere. So that's where a good old fashioned map comes into hand and, and reading that and, and understanding, you know, where you're going and uh, what your challenges are in front of you. Let's say for the sake of argument, uh, Razor, that, uh, you are that corporate security director. You have personnel in country. You have them hunkered down somewhere, Kiev, wherever. Where's the best spot to hunker down in a city, in your assessment? That, um, that, that's a challenging question. Uh, actually, a good question, because it depends. You know, it depends. You know, uh, these high rises, people go, well, you know, let's go subterranean and, you know, get, let's get under into the bunkers and stuff. Well, then you're you could be stuck there and no one ever find you. So, uh, you know, again, I would try to, the best I can to get out of the major uh, cities because, as we mentioned in like teaching ter- terrorism, get off the X. You know, the, the X is these major cities. They're just bombing them uh, indiscriminately, uh, knocking out apartment buildings and things like that. So I wouldn't want to be in a high rise. Again, I don't think I'd go into a bunker area there because I don't know if we could get out. So I would work my way trying to get to the outskirts of at least the city and and make an assessment of where they're bombing, whether it's just a couple miles away uh, and and hold up in a temporary uh, operations area there till you can meet an assessment or meet some other uh, personnel, get some on-ground intelligence as to where the troop movements are where they're bombing next, but definitely move away from where the bombing is and try to get into something that can protect you more towards ground or just a little bit underground versus a high rise or getting totally uh, into like an underground parking area. Because once they level that 10 story building above it, that parking area, you, you, you can't survive. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be shut out. And, and that brings up, you know, the, the embassy bombings that we had in, in Dar es Salaam and in Nairobi when I was over there. You know, they leveled the building down and, you, you know, it blocked the areas into the uh, uh, garage that was down below. And if people were stuck down there, uh, they may not have been found for days. And, you know, we had, you know, hundreds of people trying to rescue people at that point. And, uh, you know, the building across from there is where they lost a lot of life. I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, 249, 251 lives were lost. Uh, the, we lost what 16 Americans. The rest of them were were uh, Kenyans 
from that uh, secretary college that was right next to it, which is a 10-story building. The whole building just collapsed, you know, even into the sub-basement. So no matter where you were, uh, those people had uh, perished in that attack. So I would try to get away from where the bombings are, uh, look at uh, your best view, whether it's a small one-story hotel that hasn't been bombed yet. Maybe you can do a day or two there, uh, you know, in there with people and and keep moving uh, and keep assessing where uh, the Russians are bombing and where their troop movements are. Yeah, very uh, prudent uh, advice, uh, Fred. We really appreciate you jumping on. I know Active Crisis is very busy today with uh, this situation as well as many others in the world. So we really, really appreciate you coming on here on such quick notice uh, to share your wisdom. You got it, Fred. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy it. it. It's just such a dynamic, fluid environment right now that, you know, when we leave here and watch the news later, um, you're going to find out now. You know, you wake up and you find out that he attacked, uh, you know, the Europe's uh, largest nuclear facility. I mean, that's a whole different ball game there. I mean, if they breach uh, one of the reactors or, you know, uh, the water leaks out of those things from the cooling plants and stuff, now you've got a nuclear uh, accident that they said uh, could be up to 20 times worse than Chernobyl. Right. Well said, my friend. Well, thanks again for jumping on in such quick notice and um, be careful out there, Razor. Roger that, Merlin. I thank you for having me on anytime. And, uh, you know, God bless uh, you, the Ukrainians. And I hope that uh, there's some type of peaceful resolution to this thing. But, you know, keep, if, if anyone needs to reach out to us and, and we'll do everything we can to assist and work, work with uh, you or your people to uh, forward your evacuation out of the area. Thanks again, my friend. Take care. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co slash center. Again, that's ontic.co slash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music is a track called Monte Verde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smokin' Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.ai or visit ontic.co slash center for more information. I'm Fred Burton. Thanks for listening.